0: Okay, this is chin straps and baseball caps coming back. Um, Jared is out of town. This is a really stupid joke because I've already recorded once, but making the worst decision of his life. Um, He's now engaged. Just kidding, by the way. It's not the worst decision of his life.
1: I thought you were just kidding that he was getting engaged. No, he's really engaged. He's engaged. Congratulations, Jared.
0: Yep, he's engaged. (laughs) Sorry, I'm new. (laughs) You're good. No, Jared does it too. Jeff, this is my buddy Jeff. So we've talked a little bit about uh, Jared and my fights as kids. Um, I've known Jeff almost as long as I've known Jared, and I would not have picked a fight with Jeff because he would have pulverized me into oblivion. Right, Jeff?
1: Uh, I don't know about that, but I'm trying to remember. Isn't there one time where we almost got in a fight?
0: No, there was one time when I got mad at you enough to get in a fight.
1: <laughs> no, I remember this. And stuff. I Can called you...
0: you a word, and um, you laughed at me hysterically. Yes, I do remember.
1: <laughs> no, I don't remember what it was about, but I was I was being really really um, juvenile. Yeah, let's blame you. And I think let's that was you. why you were getting mad. It was because I was being juvenile about the situation.
0: I like that story. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's the only time, though, we ever got close to it.
0: No, you're. A, I'm more of a hothead than you are. <sighs> but I would also, I would have also known not to pick a fight with you either. So definitely didn't pick a fight with you. Just as I didn't pick a fight with Jared after he grew to monstrous degrees. But...
1: Yeah, this is on YouTube, Jake, so they can see me and they know that none of this is true because you are the exact same.
0: Much stronger than I am, (laughs) let's just say that. Okay, so this week we've talked about um, social anxiety and um, kind of being perfect and yet failing, or being close to perfect and yet failing, building up our lives brick by brick. But tomorrow, for you that do not know, is not just tax day on a normal year. It is also Jackie Robinson Day for any baseball fans. He broke the color barrier on April 15th of 1947, where he was the first black baseball player to suit up for a Major League Baseball team. Um, I grew up a Dodger fan, as I've described before. Um, But one thing that I didn't know kind of growing up, like, do you remember growing up? So you're a history major, so this will resonate with you.
1: It was a long time ago, Jake.
0: Right, but kind of the aim was to be a history teacher and being taught history in school, like you hear these stories and like Pearl Harbor and you get them kind of as facts, historical facts, and you don't really understand the how how big of a deal it was. Like the grand kind of... Um,
1: you miss out on the emotion, right? Yeah. That the people experience during those events. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's true.
0: I think the emotion of it, and I think... I think uh, you look at—so I always knew, I mean, from my, since I can remember, that Jackie Robinson was the first black baseball player, but I never really knew what that meant. And I started really rooting for the Dodgers when I was like 11-ish, and I knew that Jackie Robinson had played for the Dodgers, but I didn't really know anything of what that meant. But years later, as I get to know the team a little better and I follow them a little bit closer, I hear the stories about Jackie Robinson— what he faced, the challenges he did. Then there was that movie. Did you ever see the movie 42? I
1: I didn't. We don't see very many movies (laughs) unless they're animated.
0: Yeah. Well, you have four kids at home. Four kids.
1: I like cartoons.
0: (laughs) Disney didn't do a Jackie Robinson story.
1: Not yet. I got my fingers crossed.
0: But, uh, in the movie 42, it kind of goes into detail, um, of his autobiography, which is called, I never had it made. Um, just kind of the struggles he went through early on in his career it's it's mostly built around his first season in major league baseball kind of his life up to that the things that it doesn't touch on is all the adversity that he faced outside of that first year so he was born into a, a fairly big family i can't remember how many siblings he had but at one point um his dad said that he was going to get up and and go to the store or something i can't remember exactly where he was going and um, never came back he left with the neighbor's wife and he, they were gone and jackie robinson was young at that point i um, mean he went on to uh, get into sports so he was a really good athlete he played basketball football baseball and ran track um his brother was actually who was the track athlete Owen, jesse owens his brother finished second to jesse owens in that olympics jackie robinson's brother i didn't know that. He had some heart issues, different things like that. So had some adversity of his own, but finished second in that Olympics in Berlin, and his family was really proud of that. But so Jackie went on to play at Pasadena Community College. So his his story is he lived um, somewhere back east, kind of in the in the South, I believe, and his dad left, and the creditors started kind of circling um forced his mom to move they they got rid of their farm or or whatever wherever they were living they got rid of it and moved to california and they did not have it easy his mom worked as a, a laundry washer type person and a lot of the times he talks about that the food the only food that they had to eat was leftovers brought home from clients and so he faced obviously a lot of adversity but he goes on to talk about he served in the, the military during the war, um, had issues being a black soldier and the way that they, he was treated. Um, ended up getting honorably discharged, but earlier than he had anticipated because he'd had some issues. There was an issue where he hopped on a bus with one of his um, subordinates' wives and the bus driver was angry that a black man was sitting next to a white woman. And even though the military didn't really follow the Jim Crow laws, and so he was, that escalated to a point where he was honorably discharged, but discharged nonetheless. So he had all this adversity in his life, these challenges that he went through, and then escalated into baseball. He started dating his wife, Ray, and um, got into sports at the community college level, went on to UCLA, was a good athlete there, and started dating his wife. Um, she wanted to join the military. He wasn't happy about it. Um, told her that she, under no circumstances, was to join the military. She dumped him. We know a little bit about dumping, don't we, Jeff?
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> so uh, dumped, she dumped him, <laughs> sent back his ring, and that was the end of it, or so he thought. He went up back and got her back, um, then he ended up getting into baseball. So that's kind of his story. But the focus that I kind of wanted to center on or the the idea that I wanted to focus on in this issue was just the adversity that Jackie Robinson faced, you know, being the first black athlete to break the color barrier in in baseball. You know, did you know much about Jackie Robinson when you were growing up?
1: Not a whole lot. You know, I obviously knew that uh, he kind of... Broke the color barrier in baseball. I mean, that's kind of brought up quite a bit, but not being a baseball fan, you know, I didn't know the story as well as um, I do today, I guess, you know, and I think that one of the important things that you brought up was is how important that was, not just for him and how it, you know, must have changed his life, but for, for all people, um, especially people of color, Um, how emotional that day must have been, Mm -hmm. you know, for them to be able to see him play professional baseball in that way. Um, it really had to be life changing, you know, to see progression, you know, maybe it's not in, in every aspect of their life, but that is a major stepping stone in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so Reading kind of his autobiography and learning his story, you kind of learn the key figures that he had in his life to support him through this. Mm-hmm. That kind of took eased his emotion into it. Um, one of his, the people is who I mentioned, Ray, his wife, um, Rachel is actually her full name, but the support that she provided him as he got into Major League Baseball. Um, the other one is the general manager of the Dodgers, who was a part owner at the time, Branch Rickey. So there was a cool story in his autobiography, oh, it was emotional, um, talking about Branch Rickey and the reason why he did this, and I thought this was interesting because I didn't know it, he coached at uh, Ohio Wesleyan College, I guess. Um, They went to South Bend, Indiana for a game, and he had a black player on his team, and he was refused um, a room in the hotel. And Branch was kind of arguing with the manager of the hotel, you know, you let, my player stay here, we're leaving. We'll take our business elsewhere. And they kind of came to an agreement that they weren't going to give him a room, but they would give him a cot, and he could take his cot into Branch Ricky's room and sleep on the cot. And he said that while he was there at night getting ready to go to bed, that the player was sitting on the cot crying. And he looked down, and he started seeing the player start to just start sobbing and scratching his hand, you know, determined to look like he was trying to scratch his skin off and he was concerned. He asked him if he was okay. And he said, it's my hands. They're black. If only they were white, I'd be as good as anybody. Then wouldn't I, Mr. Ricky, if only they were white. And he used this experience several years later where he had kind of led towards this point where he was sick of the segregation and the fact that the black, black players weren't allowed to play. And he was determined to break it. So he went on a long hunt of talent-seeking, looking for not only the right player that could come in and, and help them win the pennant, but also the right mindset that they could put up. He talks about it, that he wants a player that's strong enough not to fight. And so he goes through and interviews Jackie Robinson, and he highlights all these different things Jackie Robinson does that Branch Rickey said to him, you know, calling him all these racial names. And different things and it really captures that emotion of the part of the adversity that I went through you know right from the beginning of facing these different circumstances that were so challenging and i think you know the the lovely thing about sports is the ability to learn life lessons from those types of circumstances and how we can overcome challenges based on the the sports that we love and i think it applies to everything
1: yeah i've never heard that story before that's that's pretty emotional though and i think that you you get to feel a little bit of what he felt at that time mm-hmm. you know to think that your self worth was less because of the color of your skin you know and yeah. how impactful that was on him and you know i mean we we're, we're not 100% past it for sure but we're definitely in a better spot today um, and so I think that reading something like that, we see, you know, just how bad it was, you know, and as you said, you know, it's, it's great that, um, you know, he was resilient enough to overcome that adversity day after day, you know, and to be in the limelight as he was, you know, holding that, that adversity for, you know, so many people, it wasn't just himself, but, you know, as he was the front runner, he was doing that for, for everyone.
0: Well, he comes into the Dodgers and he has an MVP season and he still looks up into the stand and there's still Jim Crow laws mm-hmm. preventing the black fans from sitting with the white fans. Right. And how, you know, how devastating that had to feel. You're the toast of the town. Everybody loves you. They're writing songs about you. And yet your own people that you, you know, are, are kind of, you see yourself with they're not allowed to sit with your fans definitely yeah and it was a big portion of his fans were black fans of course sure but that they they still had these laws preventing him from sitting together
1: i think that's a good point though let's let's talk about that for a second jackie robinson was a great player right he wasn't just a baseball player he was a great player played in what six world series one one didn't they I don't remember from six, but they, no,
0: they did win one. Yeah, he played in a bunch. One,
1: I think it was six that they played in altogether. I mean, this was a great player.
0: Yeah, it was just, where they got the nickname, The Bums.
1: Right, just being that. I mean, he was a yeah. great baseball player. Um, but to look at the adversity he played with day after day just makes it even better. You know, something that, not being a baseball fan, I didn't realize, but you know 42 is retired for every single baseball team right yeah. nobody will ever wear that number again for any team uh, you know and that's because of the impact he had i thought i think that's pretty cool
0: yeah they wear it once a year they wear it on oh, april 15th on the, yeah
1: on jackie rock everybody does every yes, single player but there's
0: no name on the back right it's every player and on on every team and they're wearing this year they're wearing this hat that i'm wearing uh, that has a 42 patch on it but um
1: for all of you who can't <laughs> see Jake's who hat, who it's see. blue.
0: It's a Dodger hat with a But it has an patch. LA on it. And it he played in Brooklyn. Yes, right? he did play in Brooklyn. Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, but one of the things that stuck out to me as I've read a kind of his story and got to know him is the different people. Um, well, actually, I want to go back to what you were saying because facing the adversity that he had to face and still being the player that he was, you and I grew up Steve Young fans. And I think the argument that most Steve Young fans have. Obviously, the 49ers should have kept him on the bench. Joe Montana was a great quarterback, one of the best of all time, won two more Super Bowls after Steve Young got there. But a lot of Steve Young fans will argue that Steve Young's, some of his best years were spent on the bench, where he wasn't able to play. And you look at, he still won two MVPs, won a Super Bowl, you know, was for a short while, kind of the Or it took him a while to get to the point where he won over the fans in San Francisco when he won his first Super Bowl by himself. Um, You know, because he has three rings, but only one was him as the starter. But the amount of time that he spent on the bench as a great player and how much could he have done, how many Super Bowls could he have won. And you have Jackie Robinson that because of the color barrier, he didn't come up into the majors until I think he was 28. Um, which at that time was pretty rare. And then he had all of this adversity, you know, on his back the whole time he was playing. What he was and what he went through and kind of the slumps he would go into and how the fans would jump all over him for that. Not Brooklyn fans, but opposing fans. And how that kind of kept him from being able to break his slump. I mean, just the emotions of that. So the emotions of not being able to play at the best of your... Quality because of your of racial slurs and different things thrown at you while you're trying to play a game. Your wife is sitting there with your new baby, and sitting behind her is two fans screaming at you all these kind of racial slurs. Well, you know, naturally his concern was in the stands. um, In a lot of cases, one thing that Branch Rickey said when they were when he was getting ready to sign him and he was kind of interviewing him through the process is he's trying to highlight the importance of keeping his cool. And he said, We can't fight our way through this, Robinson. We've got no army. There's virtually nobody on our side. No owners, no ump- umpires, very few newspapermen, and I'm afraid that many fans will be hostile. We'll be in a tough position. We can win only if we can convince the world that I'm doing this because you're a great ball player and a fine gentleman. It's fascinating to me. Just fascinating. Fascinating. The amount of adversity he had to face, and that he he didn't have the support that most people have nowadays.
1: Definitely, I think that what it shows is how resilient he was, and that's an area that I that I study a lot. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm in a PhD program right now, and I'm looking. Nobody at knows, nobody Jeff. knows, but now they all know. No, because everybody who's listening to this, Jake, knows us, right? <laughs> Right, we're, yeah. We're just starting. So, this is still a family business, right? That's true. Um, yeah. So, in the future, when you're looking, listening back, <laughs> you know, backwards, oh, this is my favorite podcast. I'm going to listen to all these other ones. Exactly. And for those of you people who don't know, I am a PhD student um, studying health promotion and using the theory or the meta theory of resilience and resiliency. <laughs> and so, I look at, and talk about resilience all the time. And when people, you know, want to know what resilience is, you know, I always think, or I always talk to them about sports, right? Mm -hmm. Because you always think about the team that gets down a lot and then comes back, Mm -hmm. right? And the announcers always say, oh, this team is so resilient. Our favorite, the Patriots. Uh, No, not the Patriots. Tom Brady, it's time to retire. Giselle's worried about you, (laughs) right?
0: Although your Uh, wife loves Tom. She'll be sad.
1: I know. Um... Yeah, so Jackie Robinson I think really showed how resilient he was. And I think that sports helped him a lot in that way, right? So the ability to bounce back or to recover or to just thrive during challenges is kind of several definitions of resilience. Um, But we have these, or what we're finding is we have these innate drives inside of us. Everybody has these drives. Um, And as we fulfill those drives, it energizes us and helps us um, to be motivated, to stay motivated, to overcome our trials or to thrive through them. Um, And I I think you see some of that, you know, Uh, that quote that you just read was really great and talks about how they were fighting through this really, you know, alone. But at the same time, he had some key people Mm -hmm. that were helping him, you know, And, and we would... You know, that social support there, even though the numbers were few, I think would would be key in him being resilient. Um, another one would just be the, the accomplishments he sees on the field as he is playing, you know, even mm-hmm. though they're they're you know, segregating in the stands. And even though people are throwing racial slurs at him, you know, every time he goes out there and succeeds, you know, he's showing that he can do it. Okay. And that's building up his, we would call it noble resilience, right? Mm-hmm. His, his, uh, accomplishments that are helping him stay motivated. Um, but then also just the challenge of it, just the challenge of playing professional baseball is that childlike resilience, that challenge, that opportunity to, um, uh, to go out and fight each day, you know, as he's right. doing that, that's that childlike resilience. So, I think we see that a lot in sports, um, and that we can really learn from in our own day-to-day life.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the highlights, or one of the the goals of this podcast, is for individuals that are going through these trials and these struggles that might feel they're like they're alone or different things like that. You know, I found that kind of his story. You know, not that at all. We've had even similar circumstances, but. Everybody goes through challenges and trials and second guesses themselves, you know, doubts their ability to overcome issues. But I've always found that in my life, those key players have kind of come out of nowhere and been individuals that have helped. You know, I mean, for me, we've been friends for a long time, but I was going through some challenging times as a teenager when we really started to become friends and that the group of friends that we had together uplifted me and helped me to get through some challenging times. Um, When I met my wife, you know, I was going through some challenging times and just these key players come in, especially when you're open to it and open to the idea. For me, I wasn't very open to it. There was a lot of days when you'd come over to the house (laughs) and you'd make me go play catch or go play, you know, basketball or whatever. And it was, you know, for you, I have no idea why you continued to do it. (laughs) But the, the people that I found in my life that were willing to go to bat with me and I think For individuals that are going through different struggles, I think if you keep your eyes open and you look around, there's still the idea of the human spirit. I mean, you have a a general manager of a baseball team. He's got a prolific job. He makes a good living. He doesn't need to disrupt the system. And he goes in and he recognizes this one individual that's struggled with, you know, I'm sure everybody struggled with segregation back then. But especially one individual that, that really wanted to fight it and he became an advocate for him. He tells him the first couple of years of his career, you know, lay off, like just be quiet and not in a in a bad way. Like, you know, prove that you're a better man or a bigger man. And then when you prove it and you've won these fans after a few years, he said, go, you know, let it all out. Like, you know, give them all you got. And so he was he felt the freedom and the support to then start to speak out against these injustices. But I found in my own life that those people have lined up and found me at key times as long as I've been open to it. And that, you know, if you recognize those individuals that are willing to fight for you, you know, you can remain close to them and it will help you through some really challenging times and build you up through some really difficult times.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, a lot of times those people don't even know, you know, that you're going through any problems. You know, you've, you've mentioned that to me a couple times. Uh, about the struggles you were going through in high school or, or junior high whenever it was that we were really starting to to spend time together but honestly I had no idea yeah you know I had no idea we were just friends we we're just hanging out yeah and uh, that's all it was for me and I think that happens a lot of times where you know people are just living their lives and you know they're you know helping somebody else out without even knowing it. Um, But like you said, you have to be open to it. And I think that's a key point. A lot of times when we're going through adversity, uh, we want to kind of sink into a hole and just be by ourselves and think that, you know, our situation is worse than every other's Mm -hmm. and, you know, nobody can understand what we're going through. And I think that that just makes it worse. You know, honestly, I think that getting out and being with those people, you know, that that care about you is so important. Getting out and and honestly, just actively pursuing an opportunity to help somebody else, you know, can really uh, help ourselves see, you know, what our problems really are, Mm -hmm. typically not as bad as what other people are going through. You know i i'm pretty lucky each semester i get a grade papers up at the university um where students have had to go out and do some some charity work in the community and every time i read those papers it helps remind me of how blessed i am how lucky i am to be living the life i live and the problems that i have just really aren't problems you know um, and so every semester, that just really helps me, uh, inspires me to to do better and to be better.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a fine balance there too. I think there is an importance of understanding where your challenges are, so that you can overcome them rather than just kind of ignore them. But also to understand that you don't really have it worse than anybody else. You know, at the same time, when I've gone through some really challenging times, or we have gone through some really challenging times as a family. You know, my wife will say, you know, I always thought we had it bad, but this person has it worse. And I say, you know, it's it's important to recognize that, but it's also important not to diminish the challenges that you have because somebody else has it worse. Right? Because they would be able to, usually if you can sit into a room with somebody, you know, I've seen it in my own life where I will go through challenges The kind of the human spirit, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I'm going through all these challenges, I don't go, oh, well, let me tell you about what I'm going through. That's happened a few times, but you genuinely try and, or generally try and avoid that. You know, you can sympathize and empathize with somebody. And so even if your challenges are quote unquote worse, then you can still empathize with other people that, you know, are going through it. And I think going back to kind of our friendship and the the challenges that I was going through, you know, we were in the same church growing up, the same church, we went to, attended the same church and I'd go into... Sit with all the youth, and I'd sit by myself because I didn't feel like socially. I didn't feel like anyone accepted me; that I wasn't wanted there. Nobody liked me. Nobody wanted me to be there. And I think you came and sat by me, and it was usually because I had gum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not that you would share, but yeah, I would. It.
0: I would share. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, and that relationship because I recognized it early on. You know, for you, it's just being friends, but for me, it was a, kind of a breakthrough moment of not feeling like I belong, and then somebody reaching out. And and I've had people throughout the years that have done similar things. You know, when I met my wife, I had absolutely no interest in getting married. I had no desire of even being really all that social. And she kind of forced my hand. She wouldn't leave me alone about it. And so it's like I said, I've been stubborn in those types, types of situation, but it's always been, I've recognized it fast enough to come out of it in time to not have lost opportunities. I, I would say that.
1: No, that's a good point. I think that you definitely don't want to uh, downplay the adversities you're going through. I think the advantage of what we're talking about, of, of being around other people and seeing what they're going through, it, it helps stop the, um, what's a good way to say it, you know, when we're going through a problem, our mind starts blowing it out of proportion, mm-hmm. right? Making a mountain out of a mole hill. That's really normal for our minds to do. And so rather than um, making it a mountain, you know, um, it just helps us realize to see what it is in perspective. Not that that we should see a mole hill as an anthill. I don't know, you know, <laughs> you know, we don't yeah. want to diminish it, but at the same time we want to see it in perspective.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree.
1: And and I think that's kind of what we're saying, right? Is is we want to have a little perspective and understand, you know, this seems really bad, but it's not as bad as it could be. And we can overcome it. And I think from resilience literature, what we want to do is not just overcome it, but we want to grow because of it. Mm -hmm. We want to become a better person through our trials rather than just survive them. Right. We want to enjoy life during trials and not just wait for the good times because usually there's just you know something going on right we don't want to wait for happiness we want to seek it out
0: yeah i agree with that and i think that's a good way of looking at it is i think having the commitment and the understanding to know what you're going through but yet having the perspective of seeing it as a positive and an opportunity you know um in the job that i'm currently at You know, I definitely have an opportunity to come up where the guy that was intended to train me for the next year quit. Um, He's gone in two weeks.
1: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And so
0: all of the weight is on my shoulders. And, you know, for me, it's like I can kind of shudder away from that and kind of, you know, I mean, I think any anybody reasonably would understand if I were to say, "I, I can't handle this. I can't do it. But for me, I see it as a big opportunity to, you know, reach out to people, seek for help, you know, try and learn this job as quick as possible so we don't really have a big lull in in production. But being able to do it, it's an opportunity to reach out and it's a cool opportunity. It doesn't diminish the challenge that it will be, but it's a cool opportunity to kind of step up to the plate and, and go for it. And I think, you know, The the different opportunities that like for, you know, tying it back to Jackie Robinson. He gets approached with this opportunity. He could have easily said, look, I got my girlfriend in California. I'm playing ball in Kansas City. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go back, live with her, and I'll get a normal job and do something else. But he took the opportunity. And one of the things that came from it is he was able to really kind of change the way that the world saw you know black athletes uh, especially in baseball he wasn't the first one to break the color barrier in any sport the nfl had signed somebody a few years earlier but he was the first one in baseball and i think one of the most um, obviously the most famous i don't know the first nba player i don't know the first nfl player i do know jackie robinson i've yeah. known him since i was a kid and his story is fascinating to me and i think because of his recognition of that opportunity and what he did with it afterwards That he was a voice you know for his people that he would i think he would he would say he was a voice for his people not all of them but was at least an advocate for them
1: yeah definitely i I like what you said there um and i think that anytime you're dealing with adversity your mindset is going to be crucial Mm -hmm. and the mindset that you had going into this job you know having your your trainer quit (laughs) you know <laughs> what a week into you starting the job yep so you're you're meant to have 51 more weeks of training and you'll get two. Uh, but your mindset is that you're gonna look at this as a challenge and that you're gonna go in every day and you're gonna do your best to learn so that there's not that lull that you were talking about um, I think that's crucial to overcoming adversity and to growing during adversity um, and I think that that's probably you know, the mindset in in professional athletes, Mm -hmm. you know, has got to be that, you know, that they're going to overcome any challenge because they want to be the best and they want to win. They want to win the championship, get Mm -hmm. back to that championship. And uh, so I think that's a crucial part of, of overcoming adversity.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it definitely, especially the ones that actually succeed at it. You know, you look at Tom Brady coming out of college, he's not my favorite player. But uh, he should retire, I agree with Jeff. He's my least favorite. My wife's in love with him. <laughs> yes. Um, but the talent that he had in college didn't really reflect the career that he ended up having in the NFL. Yeah, no.
1: I've, I've just been recently seeing a lot of tweets coming out about, um, about college athletes. And if you're great in college, it doesn't mean you're going to be mm-hmm. you know, great in the NFL. But how many people who weren't great in college are great in the NFL? And the first one that comes to my mind is Tom Brady, right? Nobody expected the NFL career he's had based on what he did. But, you know, I think that's exactly why, is the mindset he had. Nobody was going to stop him. And, you know, pretty much nobody has, except for New York Giants. Thank goodness.
0: (laughs) And the Eagles. The The NFC East.
1: Well, I just meant that one Super Bowl, perfect season, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was in the same house watching that game.
0: We were very excited. Yes, we were. And I don't like Eli, Mann, <laughs> or the Giants. I like Peyton. Peyton, Peyton Collins. is great. You <laughs> can come on the show. Peyton, call us. Yeah. All right. Well, that is. I I'm good. You want to end it there?
1: I think so. I think the lesson is, uh, you know, really adversity is going to come. Go mm-hmm. go into it with a mindset that you're going to learn and grow from it. You're going to get better using the the support around you Mm -hmm. and uh and you can grow from your challenges
0: yeah i agree well that is chin straps and baseball caps and uh signing off